All right. Since I just showed you the slides, who is this individual, by the way? Anybody know who he is? Not Colonel Sanders. Who is it? Who is this man? John Harvey Kellogg. Does anybody know what John Harvey Kellogg is responsible for? Cornflakes, right? Anybody else? What else? What is he responsible for? What is it? Ten, uh, positive things right now. <laughs> positive things. <laughs> we know that, brother. We know who this is right here, right? Positive things. What's he responsible for? We could say, oh, yeah, this is a, a blessing to this world. Right? Sanitariums. Anybody else? Okay, he, along with some others, really promoted hydrotherapy. Any other products he produced? Granola? Okay, anybody else? Yes. He designed some chairs. What kind of chairs? Are they any, what's, is there any, anything special about them? They just regular chairs. I've never known that before. I will remember that, though. All right? He designed... Anybody else? Anybody else? Anything else we know about him? Yes. He what? Veggie burgers. That, that one I have never heard of either, so... All right? Anybody else? What's he responsible for? Anybody know? Somebody... What? Cal Poly, Cal Poly Pomona? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay, gotcha. That's interesting. Huh. He said that the land in which Cal Poly Pomona is on was donated by him, right? The Arabian Horse Farm, which was from his time? Okay, wow. Very interesting. All right. So it's so interesting, this individual. Yes, I saw a hand in the back. Positive things we're still looking at right now. Yes, yes. Yeah, the development of various kinds of grains, right? Right, it's very interesting. Things that have just become commonplace in our world today, right? It's very interesting. This actually came from the Oxford Companion to the American Food and Drink Encyclopedia. And essentially it says this about this individual. It says, no single individual influenced American eating habits during the earlier 20th century. This is very interesting. More than Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. Now this is amazing, friends, because when you take a good look in American history, and specifically in regards to food, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg has made a significant contribution to this world. In fact, what also is interesting, it says this. Um, this was actually found on one of these health's websites, and it says this. John Harvey Kellogg deserves more than any other person to be called the father of what? Natural health. In fact, a lot of nat natural health movements today trace some of their information or foundation to what this individual was talking about, what he was um, just really speaking about and preaching about. Now, what we're going to be doing today is take a little bit of journey into his life, and why is it important for us? We'll understand why. In fact, there was somebody who did an interview on Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, trying to understand how in the world was this guy so ahead of his time. 
How is it possible for him to be so advanced in medicine and in health that he was completely just lapping other health professionals? This is very interesting. David Paulson, MD, about the year 1913, reported a conversation that he had with Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. He says this, a number of years earlier, introductory to the following statement. It should be mentioned that in the late 19th century, John Harvey Kellogg, MD, was recognized as a world leader in several areas of medical practice. Dr. Kellogg asked me in New York City 22 years ago if I knew how it was that the Battle Creek Sanitarium was able to keep five years ahead of the medical profession. I do not know. Then he told me. He said when a new thing is brought out in the medical world, he knew from his knowledge of the spirit of what? Interesting. The writings of Ellen G. White. Whether it belonged in our system or not, if it did, he instantly adopted it and advertised it while the rest of the doctors were slowly feeling their way. And when they finally adopted it, he had five years to start on them. On the other hand, when the medical profession was swept off their feet by some new fad, if it did not fit the light we had received, he simply did not touch it. When the doctors finally discovered their mistake, they wondered how it came that Dr. Kellogg did not get caught. You see, this father of the natural health movement had a secret. And you know what his secret was? The spirit of prophecy. And for many years, while he was um, just, you could say, he aligned himself with the writings and the teachings of the spirit of prophecy, things began to change in his life. Ellen White says these very interesting words about Dr. John Harvey Kellogg when he began to be very interested in medicine. She says this, when I heard that Dr. Kellogg had taken up the medical missionary work, I, was in, I encouraged him with heart and soul because I knew that only by this work can the prejudice which exists in our world, in the world against our own faith be broken down. Do you know what got him very interested in contributing to the church? He had a revival in his life, and it happened in the year 1888. This man was affected by the teaching and preaching of righteousness by faith. He was so touched by this that he recommitted himself to God and he wanted to find out how his profession, his experience can contribute to the preaching of the third angel's message. It's so amazing, he began to immediately introduce this idea of sanitariums and medical facilities and different books and all sorts of facets when it has to do with natural health, into the church and began to promote it to the entire world. In fact, what is interesting is that his clinics became so renowned that several movie stars, several dignitaries, several politicians began to come to these places and also understand aspects of the Seventh-day Adventist message. In fact, during a general conference meeting, something unusual was discovered. This is it. W.W. Prescott says this, I find from the statistics given in the General Conference Bulletin on page 163 that the entire General Conference employs 1,500 workers. I was not quite sure, Mr. Chairman, of the statistics, but the best I can get from the report is that the association employs 74 physicians, 448 nurses, and about 1,200 other helpers. Am I correct? The secretary says, I think that is about right. 
W.W. Prescott says this, then if this is the case, there are more persons in the employ of the Assist Association in its various departments of work than in the employ of the entire and the whole general conference. Is this correct? John Harvey Kellogg says, the number is nearly 2,000 now. You know why this is so important? We actually had more workers in the medical missionary part of our church then employed by the church in other areas. Something began to explode in the church. Something unusual began to happen. Now you think to yourself, Pastor Now, what is so different about this? I know about Adventist history. But this is where it starts getting very unusual. You see, as John Harvey Kellogg began to really promote this message of combining the third angel's message with medical missionary work, Divisions began to enter in. Many of the pastors at that time were not interested in trying to combine both of these two facets. Ellen White began to lay out a series of messages to the pastors. She said this, Why do you not cooperate with those who are carrying forward the medical work, medical missionary work? Is it for you, who have the example of Christ before you, to stand off and criticize? And this is very interesting. She says over and over again, I speak to my brethren in America. Why do some are ministering brethren manifest so little interest in health reform? The messages given on this great and needful subject seem to be distasteful to some of our own ministers. Not much has changed to this day. You know what I'm talking about. They would put forth some faint efforts to reform, but because they had no mind to practice it, they lapsed into an indifference upon the subject. Then, in order to vindicate their own course of action, they began to pick flaws in the men who advocated this reform. If they could only, if, if they could find any excuse for remaining away, they would not attend the meetings where health reform was presented. These men became its bitterest enemies. Now, I want you to see what's happening here, and you're going to start seeing where this split leads. Again, and why is it important for you and me today? What happened 100 years ago? Let's continue reading. Thus, those who should have been the first to advocate the principles of health reform in every line of their work by precept and example showed that they were not in harmony with it. And then she starts describing where this split began to happen and something unusual begins to take place. Something satanic begins to happen. The Lord is not pleased with the division between medical missionary physicians and gospel workers. By some, notice these keywords, strange walls have been built up. We should study to reach the unity of faith. Truth will bear away the victory on every point. You see, what began to happen at this point is, as this individual and some of the other medical missionaries were criticized by the pastoral part of our church at that time, the division began to grow greater and greater and greater. Soon, John Harvey Kellogg began to talk about something that really aggravated a lot of pastors. He began to push this idea of mesh, medical missionary work so strongly that he starts heading towards a direction. This direction, by the way, was not bad. In fact, you're going to see the point in which the devil dropped the bomb. Go on to read. The Lord has given Dr. Kellogg his work. It is a fact that our ministers are very slow to become health reformers, notwithstanding all the light which the Lord has given upon this subject. This has caused Dr. Kellogg to lose confidence in them. 
Their tardy work in health reform has created in him a spirit of criticism, and he has borne down on them in an unsparing manner which the Lord does not sanction. He has belittled the gospel ministry and in his regard and ideas has placed the medical missionary work above the ministry. I have seen that in the censuring of ministers, ministers, remarks have been made which have not been to the honor and glory of God. Now you're starting to see the response, some of the response from Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. Friends, this is so important. As I said before, you're going to understand why. You know, it's very interesting. One day... um, when I was a youth pastor, and uh, it was like October 31. You know what October 31 is? Halloween, right? And so I turned to my youth kids and I said, we need to do something different. Instead of dressing up like monsters and doing this, getting food. I said, we're going to dress up like Bible characters. And so what we did is we went to the closet And what we found were ponchos, (laughs) and we found bathrobes. So what we did is we put our bathrobes on and our ponchos on, right? We took a stick we found, we pulled off a tree, we carried a lamb around so it looked like we were shepherds. Then what we did is we took glow pamphlets. You guys know what glow pamphlets are? I was a youth pastor, so we got to pass this out to everybody. And so we were passing it out to everybody. And you know, pastor, now I love to pass out literature, but sometimes I do not like passing out literature because it is very fearful. Anybody here feel that way before? Yeah, so we were down to our last little pamphlet. We're walking to the car, and my youth kids, they're like, hey, Pastor Noah, do you want to pass out this little one, this last one? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I was just wanting to direct you guys now. I'll do it. And so I grabbed it, and I saw a group of people barbecuing. And I was like, Americans, you know, American, I was born here, right, and so I walked up with my bathrobe, and I said, hey, and I looked at it, and I, and I just gave it to him really quickly, and it was something about health, I didn't even read it, the man looks at it, and goes through, he's thumbing through, and he's like, huh, this is interesting, he's like, you believe what's in here, and I was like, and in my mind, I was like, I only read like the first front cover, and I was like, yeah, I believe it, I mean, I hope the glow people aren't doing bad stuff, right, so I said, yeah, I believe it. And he's like, huh. He said, you know, it's interesting. I, I think this might be from God. And I go, why do you say that? He's like, I'm a pastor of the local non-denominational church. He says, I want to do a series on health. And he says, I've been looking for information about the Bible and health. And he says, I'm looking at this, and it's just, it was a go plant on the Bible and health. <laughs> and he was like, man, this is really good. And he starts reading it, and I was about to walk. He's like, hey, don't leave yet. And so I was like, okay. He's like, hey, can you answer some questions for me? And I started answering some questions for him in my bathrobe, okay? And I'm there, and you know, I'm just like, you got an Indian in a bathrobe on Halloween talking to people who are barbecuing. But I realized something. Man, I was like, these people are looking for health. These people are looking for health. In fact, when I was at Weimar College, I had a friend. He was a good friend. This guy was like a missionary. You go to Taco Bell, it's a mission trip with this guy, Right? He would always go to non-denominational churches, and he'd always say to them, hey, can we do a health presentation? They're like, sure. And so what would happen is, he'd get some of the Weimar students, and we would do the New Start program at many of these non, you know, these first-day churches. And it was so interesting because we'd go through New Start principles, nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight. You know it? 
I know it, but I'm just making sure they know it, right? Temperance, air, rest, and then trust in God. So I was going through, we were going through all of it, and people were like, oh my goodness, I've never heard this before. Like, they were flipping out. They were so excited about this message, and it was such a powerful thing as we were seeing many of these non-Adventist churches just absolutely embracing the health message. In fact, one day I walked into a Sunday school. I sat way in the back. And the, the, the teacher was asking a bunch of questions, and I was like, I think I know the answer to that. So I kept raising my hand, like, a little bit obnoxiously. And I raised my hand, and then he's like, man, you should, you should teach this class. And I was like, I'll do it if you need me to do it. But he didn't let me do it. But, you know, <laughs> I found out later I was an Adventist. But he was just, we were just talking about health, and it was really, really exciting. I realized something. Man, it's like these non-Adventists were embracing the health message. Do you know as a Seventh-day evangelist, if I was to present the health message five years ago, do you know the number one objection I would get? I'd get this. All oh, the clean and the unclean thing, God did away with that at the cross. You know what the number one objection I get now? It's not from people who are um, Seventh-day Adventists. I get it from Adventists now. Just the basic health message. In fact, none of the, non, the non-Adventists aren't bringing up the traditional arguments anymore. You want to know why? Because science has vindicated the position of the scriptures on health. There's not a question about it. It's like, yeah, that's common knowledge now. But sometimes I hear Adventists, oh, yeah, we, just, we don't want to hear this message before. In fact, when I was a youth pastor years ago, years ago, I'm telling you guys a secret right now. I actually got fired for preaching the health message. The pastor brought me before the board, and he's like, hey, look, we don't want you to preach legalism here. And I was like, you mean telling people pork is bad? It's like, yeah, legalism. And I was like, what in the what world am I on right now? But anyway, so I realized something. There was an opposition to just this health message, but it wasn't coming really from the out. It was coming from within. Now, friends, we need to be tolerable. We need to love people in spite of these things, and we need to deal better with people, even if they have differences. But there's something we need to understand here, something so important, and that is this. God intentionally wanted the medical missionary part of our church to work with those that were part of preaching the gospel. This was so important. God had a special plan. This is what is said right here by Ellen White. My brethren, the Lord calls for unity, for oneness. We are to be one in the faith. I want to tell you, when the gospel ministers and the medical missionaries, our workers, are not united, there is placed on our churches, notice these key words, the worst evil that can be placed there. Now, just think about worst evil. I mean, just because the medical missionary workers aren't united with the gospel workers or the gospel workers aren't united with the medical missionaries, really the worst evil? Let me ask you a question. What do you think that means? Raise your hand if you think you know what that means. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Maybe a little. What do you think that means, the worst evil? Why would the worst evil be produced as a result of medical missionary work not combining with the gospel work? Yes. Okay, so you're saying the division would bring about, uh, would make us not as credible, right? Because there's just these differences that exist. Anybody else? Pride? Okay. Anybody else? I mean, there's evils, but imagine the worst evil. Yes. 
Okay, very good. We would be missing an opportunity to bring people to the gospel who could come in no other way except through that facet, right? Anybody else? How is that? So would you simply say, oh, it's just about, we just don't want to see division? Or do you think there's something else she was talking about here? Yes. So the gospel would be limited in its effect. Anybody else? You know what else would happen? The church would end up having a form of religion. Why? Because those that are involved in gospel work would not have opportunity to help people in other areas of their life. The church would be separated and all we would become is simply more of a theological branch rather than reaching out to people and where their needs are at. It would have a form of religion but denying the power therein. Let's continue with this. Again, we're going to get to a point that's so important for us. Our medical missionaries ought to be interested in the work of our conferences and our conference workers ought to be as much interested in the work of our, mesh, um, excuse me, our medical missionaries. As a result, a reaction has set against the medical missionary program. The baby was thrown out with the bathwater, as someone remarked. This is Ministry Magazine. The medical work received a deadly wound which has never been fully healed. The right arm, which is the medical missionary work, and which is to break down prejudice, protect the church, and open new doors, new doors, was fractured and has remained in that state pretty much to the present. Now, friends, I want to introduce you to something, something in which the devil began to really divide people on. J. Harvey Kellogg began to present something that was so unusual when he was talking about medical mission work. You can read his writings. He began to use Isaiah 58 in a whole new way that had never been used before. You know what he started saying? That Isaiah 58, this talk about the Sabbath... That the Sabbath should be used as a day of healing people. A day of reaching out to people. You're like, oh yeah, does that mean just go out and you know, sing a few songs at the elderly home? What he was saying is, look, if we're going to be helping people, if we are going to help people with their health issues, we should capitalize on the Sabbath specifically and use that day as a day of help and healing to other people. Do you think that's biblical? Is that biblical? Oh, how is it biblical? Because Jesus said in Luke 18, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, think of it, be, who was bound by Satan 18 years, be loosed on the what? In other words, if there's any of, no better day than the Sabbath to bring about healing to other people, what's that look like though? What does that look like? Now, that's something that's going to be studied. Let's continue with this. It's very interesting. How slow men are to understand God's preparation for the day of his power. God works today to reach hearts in the same way he worked when Christ was upon earth. In reading the word of God, we see that Christ brought medical missionary work into his ministry. Cannot our eyes be open to discern Christ's methods? Can we not understand the commission he gave to his disciples and to us? This is so powerful. Friends, it wasn't just Seventh-day Adventists who were called to be medical missionaries. David Livingstone, the great missionary to Africa, was a medical missionary. In fact, it wasn't just David Livingstone. What, was, what else was interesting was the Waldenses 
were medical missionaries. You'll find many of our reformers were medical missionaries. It's so powerful when we begin to understand what was actually happening and how those who were preaching the gospels did not neglect the healing of the body. Friends, our church has suffered a fissure when it comes to this idea of combining the medical mission work and the gospel work. In our world today, in our church, we are seeing changes that are taking place very rapidly. But I believe God wants to do even more than we fully understand. Strange things that are taking place are bringing Seventh-day Adventists to the forefront of the world to give a message. Did you know the country Iran? You ever heard of that country before? Iran? Sometimes pronounced Iran, right? Before the Shah of Iran was removed and the Islamic Republic took over, he loved Seventh-day Adventists. We had entrance into that country, no problem. More than other, other Christian groups. You want to know why? He loved our doctors. He loved our doctors. They helped him out. So many times we've had openings in other countries that other Christian groups did not have. Why? Because of the medical missionary work. It's a powerful thing when we begin to realize, wait, this is the work God wants us to do more of. In fact, Jesus did more healing than he did preaching, right? You see, God has blessed the church with this understanding of the health message, and he wants us to use it. Do you know the Egyptians? After um, there's been MRI scans on Egyptian mummies, it's been discovered many of them obviously did not live past the age of 30 or 40. They just did not live long. In fact, what is also some interesting, some controversial studies show that some of the pharaohs had cocaine in their body. You want to know why that's unusual? Where, where does cocaine come from? Where does the plant come from? Where does it originate? Someone says, Compton, right? Enough. <laughs> I grew up in Southern California. I, trust me, I know the, all the, the jokes, right? Where does it come from? It comes from South America, which really just blows apart the view of history that the Egyptians were not mariners. But anyways, um, it was so interesting. Many of them, you look at the many of the pharaohs, they did not live past 50 or, you know, 40 or 50 years old. Do you know when Jacob the patriarch, who's about 100 years old, 100 years old at that time, who Joseph brings to the pharaoh, do you know the first words that come out of pharaoh's mouth? The very first thing Pharaoh sees with Jacob is not like, hey, how you doing? I heard the story. It's, how old are you? Think about it. Of all the words that could have been said to this old man Jacob, the first thing he says is, how old are you? You want to know why? Because there were no senior citizens in their community. Ellen White says in the book Patriarchs and Prophets, God was using Joseph to bring Bible religion to the Egyptians. And this was an example to it, of it. Friends, I want you to understand something. If God is blessing us in certain areas of our, of our identity and our ministry, then we need to use it to reach out to other people. Amen? Yeah. Amen. God wants us to be a blessing to many people. All right, let's continue with this. God helped those whose attention has been aroused on this subject to have the mind of Christ, the sympathy of Christ. If we were as closely connected with Christ as were his disciples, God could work through us to heal many who are suffering. The Lord blesses people, enable them to come to a right understanding of his, um, 
will. I keep switching before I get to the end, right? Let's continue with this. Medical missionary work is the right hand of the gospel. It is necessary to the advancement of the cause of God. As though, as through it, men and women are led to see the importance of right habits of living. The saving power of the truth will be made known. Every city is to be entered by workers trained to do medical missionary work. As the right hand of the third angel's message, God's method of treating disease will open doors for the entrance of present truth. And this is where it gets so powerful right here. This is such an amazing thought right here. Much of the prejudice that prevents the truth of the third angel's message from reaching the hearts of the people might be removed if more attention were given to what? Health reform. When people become interested in this subject, the way is often prepared for the entrance of other truths. If they see we are intelligent with regards to health, they will be more ready to believe we are what? Can somebody reiterate that last line in their own language? Well, in our language, English. But I mean, in just your own words. How would you reiterate that last line in your own words? Okay, good. Anybody else? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yes? What are Christians accused of by atheists and skeptics? Like, what is so wrong about Christianity? What does it violate the laws of? Science. They've looked at Christians as uneducated, people who are illiterate in the laws of health and science. Friends, this isn't about trying to prove that we are creationists. I believe we should prove that. I believe we should understand that concept. But even more should we understand how the body works. Did you know that the early church, when they became corrupted, they eventually began to set up a premise in which theology began to become sore foremost and that the study of the body and the mind, the body and the mind, the physical part, was removed. In fact, there was this view that because of the destruction of the world that would eventually take place, that much of our focus needs to be on theology. When the Sabbath was removed, the focus of creation was gone. Do you know what began to happen? Study out what happened during the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, that the understanding of health science was completely down to a very minimal. Basic medicinal remedies that would have saved thousands, yea, millions of people were gone. Did you know what happened in the 14th century? The Black Plague came upon the world. Do you know it nearly destroyed all of England and half of Europe? Do you know researchers have actually looked at that and said, if these people had just simply practiced basic medicinal kinds of things, they would have saved themselves from death. And in response to this darkness of the light of science, that the French Revolution began. And then it produced atheism. We're told what papacy began, atheism, you know, finished. And since that time, there have been many people in our world today who have looked at Christians as those who are coming from the dark ages. People who are illiterate with the laws of science. Remember I showed you that one of those criteria of that woman, that atheist woman? One of her criteria was, look, the Bible, or the, this, these writings have to match up with science. 
Friends, what Ellen White's saying right here, look, if people know that you are intelligent in regards to health, they will be ready to believe that we are sound in Bible doctrines. You want to know why? Because they know you are not a crazy nutcase. They will know, wait a minute, if this person understands the basic laws of health, they will understand, wait a minute, maybe this person is not as far off as I thought. It will open the doors to new things. So what am I saying to you? That if we begin to really grasp this like never before, we will see more people come into the church than we'd ever seen before. If we're really to challenge ourselves as a church, as a community of believers, to embrace this message of health, God will open up doors that have never been opened up before. You know, when I was pastoring in series, I told our church, I said, we're going to have a health fair. This was in the year 2009. Like, okay, we're going to have a health fair. We didn't know what a health fair was, but I just knew we needed to have a health fair. <laughs> so we began to plan and pray. And we put together a health fair. We had some free checkups. We even did a cooking school. I made my famous Superman smoothie. And uh, we just did all these things. And it was so interesting. Something unusual happened to the advertisement. We sent it out to a few people. Then we started getting crazy calls the last week before this series this started. We got this call from one teacher, and she says, I just got this flyer. Everyone in the school district is passing out this flyer. Is it true you guys are running a health fair? We're like, yeah, how did you hear about this? They're like, I got it from this person, got it from this person, got it from this person. And we're like, wow, that's so crazy. Then I got another call from another somebody in another school district, and they said, we're passing out all the flyers with the kids that are going back to their parent home, that are going home. And I was like, who, who told you this? Oh yeah, we heard it from this person, heard it from that person, heard it from this person. This happened four or five times from four different school districts. The city began to advertise for us. And it was so amazing. People began to come out and we were just like, whoa, we never expected this. And it was such a powerful thing. We did it the year after. There were people who were baptized, brought into the church. It was such an amazing thing. I had never seen the church so many people in the church, from different parts of the church, be so active in ministry. You know what happens when you just run an evangelistic series? This is what happens. You sit down, preacher comes in like me, I preach a sermon, you sit down in the pews, you may have a few, you know, conversations with people, and then you may sit down, eat with them, and then you leave. And that's your interaction, that's your ministry. That's it? Really? Friends, when we did a health fair, it was so amazing. We had people involved in this, this part of the church involved in this, this part of the church involved with this. We had people who weren't even spiritual in the church involved in ministering to people. It was so amazing. I had never seen so many of our church involved in this ministry. In fact, when we did it at our church plant at Walmart, the council lady showed up and she's like, what is going on here? Just like that. Like, oh yeah, we're having a health fair. She's like, I never heard about this. We're like, yeah, this is what's going on. She's like, can you guys give me a free checkup? I want my BMI checked out. We're like, okay, so we let her through. And she's like, she's like I'm going to bring this up at the city council. She, she brought it up to the city council. You know what began to happen? The city started paying for our health events. They said, can you do a cooking school for us? And we told them, hey, we're going to be Seventh-day Adventists all the way through. They're like, that's fine. We've been looking for a faith-based group that does health stuff. And we just started a church plant there a few years ago. Friends, I'm saying this because God will open up new doors for you. He will open up powerful doors that have never been opened up before. And you know what I like about young adults is you guys have the entrepreneurial spirit. 
You guys have just an innovation about you that you can say, wait a minute, how can we look at this system and how can we make it better for the glory of God? How can we bring resources together? What new things can we do? You know, I just had a conversation with some of my friends and they're like, Anel, we are going to bring the first vegetarian taco truck to Fresno, California. A taco truck to Fresno, California. I was like, they're like, no, no, it is a vegetarian. We're only going to serve veggie stuff. I said, really? I said, you have my blessings. Go for it. It was so amazing. And I was like, damn, this is interesting. I have a friend who in Michigan, you ever at a CrossFit? My friend Jeff, he's like, he opened up a CrossFit. Um, I'm not going to say I was about to say something about Jeff. I'm not going to say anything about Jeff. But anyways, Jeff, Jeff went to, you know, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm refusing to say it right now. Jeff went to work out at this CrossFit gym. He got really excited about it. And he started saying, I'm going to open up my own CrossFit. You know what started happening? Many of the young adults found out about it. They started coming to this. He closes it down on Sabbath. Friday night, he holds a Bible study. They're winning people to the Lord. Now he's opening up his gym with his own label now. It's amazing, friends, what is happening in our world today. The world is crazy about health. They're crazy about health, and they want to know about health. And this is a prime time for Seventh-day Adventists to say, wait a minute, we got something special for you. We got something special for you. But friends, this is not meant to be just a money-making venture, although those things may be a part of it. It's about linking it back to the church of God and for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. God wants to use his people in a very special way. To bring a beautiful message of health and healing. You see, the health message is actually a representation of the gospel. As the gospel spiritually heals you, the physical, the health message is to bring about a physical healing to you. In our world today that is so wrapped up in different things, the conversation you can have with anybody, anytime, anywhere is about health and fitness. One day I was at Jamba Juice. <laughs> you go to Jamba Juice, you ever heard of Jamba Juice? You have, one, you have them here in Southern California? I thought so. Anyways. Um, this lady worked out. I've gone to the gym. I went to Jamba Juice. She works out. And she just, you know, really just kind of those people that are just moving like this. They're not stopping. And she's like, okay, I'll get the um, mango something, something, something. And she was just moving her feet. And I was like, hey, do you want to come to this health fair? She's like, no, thank you. And then I was like, all right, I turned around. I just went like this. I kind of spun, and I said, hey, um, do you know who the longest living people in the world are today? And she's like, who? I said, come to this health fair. You'll find out. <laughs> and you know what happened? She looked at me, and she took the paper. It works. It works. Amen? We got to use it if we got it, right? Right? we got to use it. All I'm simply saying is this. Guess what, friends? God wants to use you right now. And, you know, you work with your pastors. You work with your leaders. And you say, we want to do something for our community. We want to bring about health. We want to bless people. And don't always have an agenda. I ho- I'm hoping that they get this Bible say, you know what? Sometimes God just wants you to do good to people with no response. And you'll see what he does with that in the future, Right? We started running 5Ks at our church. I wasn't running the 5K. I was always the supervisor and the guy in the bullhorn. I don't like running very much at all, actually. I don't like it at all. Um, I like weightlifting more. But anyway, so we run these 5Ks. 
we'd get 100 to 200 people, and we'd just start naming these 5Ks. During, like, the Groundhog's Day, I was like, we got to come up with a cool name. The Underground 5K. Groundhog, get it? No, maybe you're not getting it. I guess I got it. But we started doing the Underground 5K, and uh, people showed up. It was so amazing. The city paid us in Patterson to run a 5K, and they bought all the prizes. It was on Thanksgiving Day. They called it a turkey trot. And it was so funny because they got us prizes, turkeys, <laughs> frozen turkeys. And I remember I thought to myself, I was like, <laughs> it'd be different if I was running that thing. <laughs> anyway, so, and it was just like these people, <laughs> anyways, I'm not going to go any further. But you get my point. The point I'm trying to make is that there are a lot of people who are interested in health. A lot of people are interested in health and are waiting. This is a prime time, especially for people who've got sharp minds who are created to say, what can we do right now to bring about health? It is amazing, friends. So many opportunities are abounding right now. This is a pivotal time for God's people, and you don't want to miss it. Because one day, this door will be shut. Now, I believe until the end of time, people are going to bleed. But guess what, friends? We have a prime time right now. Where we're looked at in a very positive sense where the word Seventh-day Adventist is not just a theological term. It's a medical term these days. Live like a Seventh-day Adventist. Live like a Seventh-day Adventist. Friends, this is the time that God is calling us to really engage in this. To embrace this like never before. And one thing I really want to challenge you to do. So what Ellen White says is to study out Isaiah 58 and the Sabbath and how we can combine the health message with the Sabbath. Nothing wrong with singing at elderly homes. You got to do that ministry. Nothing wrong with passing out glow. But friends, God wants to do even more. And he is waiting for people who are willing to say, Lord, what are you calling us to do on the Sabbath to bless other people in regards to health? Look, I claim to cook, but I am not the greatest cook in the world. You want to know something? I know how to cook vegan quesadillas. You ask me how to make cook? I'm talking about good vegan quesadillas. I said, we're going to put together a cooking school, a men's cooking school. Put on by men, but not just for men. We called it the A-men cooking school. <laughs> Anyways, we had a military theme. We had like arm, you know, ammo boxes. My secretary designed it really well. And uh, I took me like two hours to camouflage my apron right there. But uh, I made a delicious vegan quesadilla. Some of the other men, they cook different things. We're not good cooks in many areas. But guess what? We can cook a few good things. And put together, we put on a prime time cooking school, friends. We look like pros. But a lot of people came out to that and they said, we want more of this. Where can we get more of this? This is the time that God is calling his people to engage in things. You don't have to be a professional. You have to be willing. Amen? Coming down to the very end of this, medical missionary work is the what? Do you know what the word pioneer means? What? What does the word pioneer mean? You're trailblazing. You're opening up. You're, you're, you're starting a new path, right? Medical missionary work is the pioneer work of the gospel in the ministry of the word. 
And in the medical missionary work, the gospel is to be preached and practiced. He designs that the medical missionary work shall prepare the way for the presentation of the saving truth for this time. The proclamation of the third angel's message. If this design is met, the message will not be eclipsed or nor its progress hindered, friends. Notice what is being said right here. If we will embrace this health message like never before, the gospel will not be eclipsed or hindered any more. Friends, we are coming down to the very end of time. And Ellen White foresee, she foresaw the future and she says these words, we shall see, that's future tense, the medical missionary work broadening and deepening at every point of its progress. Because of the inflowing of hundreds and thousands of streams until the whole earth is covered as the waters cover the sea. If workers will humble their hearts before God, the blessing will come. They'll receive, they will all the while be receiving fresh new ideas. And there will be a wonderful revival of gospel medical missionary work. And that wound many years ago because of division will be gone and no trace of it will exist. Friends, this is the time that God is calling his people right now to engage in this, to pray about this, and to say, Lord, what can we do? This isn't the 1980s, friends. We're not talking about health being meritorious. It's nothing to do with that. It's about helping other people. Amen? About blessing those who are in need and those who are dying right now, waiting to experience what you have. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we just close this afternoon, whatever seeds are planted in our hearts, Lord, whatever we needed to hear, Lord, please water those seeds and bring to fruit, fruition those things you want us to do. God, if you are laying a special burden upon us to get involved in something, to get training in another area of our life, to experience something new in regards to medical missionary work, Lord, thank you. It's already part of your purposes and plans. We commit ourselves to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.